Welcome all you good movie buddies to part two of the United States of Film on the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other delicious movie snacks like those wonderful frozen icy beverages. Mm, blue cherry. raspberry or wild cherry? Which ooh, one you for? Ooh, wild cherry. All right. I'm going to go wild cherry on that one. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And with me as usual, our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And David... How we doing? I'm a blue raspberry person myself. Blue raspberry person? I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's all right. Although, wild cherry is nice if you don't want to show everybody that you just had an icy because your mouth goes blue. Let me throw this at you. Mixed. Ooh. I'm always, I'm always down for mixed. A little Neapolitan? Yeah. You know. All right. All right. I'm down with that. <laughs> uh, this is, as I previously mentioned, part two of our United States of Film in 2017 recap. Previous episode, we went over some of the things that we didn't like last year in terms of movies. We went over some interesting box office and critics trends, talked about our favorite movie sequences of the year. And now this episode, we get to talk about our favorite films of the year. Also, what we're looking forward to in 2018. There's a lot of stuff coming out in 2018 mm -hmm. super exciting obviously there's going to be some disappointments but i'm hoping that everything that i have listed is going to be great and so let's just get right into it let's do a little back and forth instead of doing a top 10 this year what i have done and i don't know if you know this but long before the popcorn diet i have an account on letterboxd and if you don't know what letterboxd is it's letterboxd but take the e out of boxed so b-o-x-d Letterboxd.com is a great place if you're a movie fanatic to go try and and you can catalog the films that you see. And they're they're not sponsoring us or anything like that, although if they wanted to, I'd be totally down with it. It's just a great way for movie lovers to catalog what they're doing. David uses it. Mm -hmm. I use it. But one of the things they also let you do is they let you put together lists. And ever since 2010, 2011, I did a top 11. 2012, I did a top 12. Up until 2020. When we do 2020, I'm going back to top 10s again. <laughs> but now that it's 2017, we're doing our top 17 of 2017. And so I figured just like we did last time with our favorite scenes, David, we'll do a little round robin. If we end up, you know, uh, repeating each other, which I'm sure we will, then we can say a little bit less. Uh, but I will let you start this time, and uh, I will let you start with your number 17 film Number 17. Of the year. And to preface this, as we said on the last episode, there's a lot of movies we haven't seen. Oh, um, great point. We should talk about those for a so second. So there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Some of the ones of note that I'm eager to still see that I haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. um, War for the Planet of the Apes was one that, for some reason, I never saw. Uh, but I'd love to see it. Uh, Shape of Water, I will be seeing very soon. Uh, All the Money in the World also is one that I want to see. I can't say that Call Me By Your Name, Florida Project, or Lady Bird are high on my list. Because you're a hater. Uh, disaster <laughs> Artist, I would like to see. Okay. Um, not you know, rushing out to go see it, but sure. I'd like to see that. Um, so there's a number that we haven't seen, and there's there's other ones. I haven't seen Mud Brown. I haven't seen Bright yet. Likewise. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen Molly's Game, The Post, post Mud, we still The Big seen. Sick. I haven't seen Coco. I would see The Post, but I have to drive 600 miles to go see it. So. That's true. That's true. Until uh, this week, I think it's playing a Camel View. Oh, there you go. So we could try that. Shout out to Harkins here. But I haven't seen Florida Project. I haven't seen I, Tanya. There's a lot of... I, Tanya. There's a lot either. of missed ones. That we haven't seen, and maybe one day, if we ever become press 
and get invites to press screenings if we become what we hate then we'll get to be able to do a full and complete top top 17 so if, or whatever so if anybody's listening that knows a guy they can get us the hookup. Yeah. We will gladly be... I don't know, David. If anybody knows somebody in we, the press... We will gladly be more prompt in having complete lists for yes. our end-of-the-year list. Yes. But, that being said, some that missing, being said, missing movies. Number 17 number for 17. me. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I thought if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, this would have been my favorite of the Marvel slash uh, DC universe. Okay. This was the one that I was the most excited for. Um and it disappointed a little bit. It's a little long. That being said, it's fantastic movie. A little long. A little too much ego. Um, <laughs> but Don't we all have that problem? We all have that problem. But at the end of the day, it's still fantastic. I still love the Guardians and, and the universe that they're in. And I'm excited to see them in Avengers. So Hell yeah. Nice. Number 17 for me is Logan. And there's a lot. Of, you know, I tried to do a decent, uh, you know, combination of... of, of mainstream films and maybe not so mainstream films i don't know if i failed or succeeded in that but but number 17 for me was logan just a culmination of a singular performance put on by a single actor that we've seen play this character for almost 20 years that's something that's never been done before and it's such a wonderful wonderful low stakes film but you know low stakes in the matter of well all we got to do is save a number of kids but high stakes and it's well, Logan's got to save his soul. Yeah. So that it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful, again, almost a neo-Western uh, kind of. It's sad as shit. Like, I rolled yeah. a tear. Um, but in a just world, Hugh Jackman would be getting some Oscar love this year. But we don't live in a just world. In a just world, Patrick Stewart would also. 100%. Patrick Stewart was awesome. Talking about someone that's been a character for 20 years. Patrick Stewart as well has a been a fine point. Yeah, so. a fine point, and they're probably he just didn't get as many movies as he just no as yeah Hugh he didn't get his own spinoffs, but yeah. just a, just a an, an excellent excellent superhero film, an R rated superhero film. Like this is what superhero films have the ability to evolve into are these separate one shots because the timeline's a little fuzzy, but. It shows how good superhero movies can possibly. Thank you, get. Deadpool, for paving the way for R rated. For R rated, but now we're gonna get a shit ton of yep. them. Like, I'm happy. Make Venom R rated or some dumb yep. nonsense like that. All right, number sixteen for me. I, you know, I went with the indie darling for you, one that's getting some love. Indie darling. Uh, okay. I went with Big Sick. Okay. Um, watched it a couple weeks ago or sometime over the, around the holidays. Uh, it's it's really. It's a really good movie. I mean, it's a rom-com, straight up. Sure. Um, really good performances by everybody. Um, I'm blanking on the lead's name. Kumail Nanjani. Yes. I love him. True in story. Sil of his, I, lo I love him in marriage. Silicon Valley, and I think he was fantastic in this. It was a good mixture of, of funny and, you know, obviously good story. Nothing necessarily original, but I thought it was really well done and really well acted, so... Nice, nice. Number 16 for me is Split. As we talked about at the uh, at the end of the episode last week, our part one episode, Split has a, a wonderful twist in it that, that is not a, as huge of a twist as The Sixth Sense, but it, the fact that it is connected um, as, as a quasi-sequel to Unbreakable is just one part of why Split is so good. Number two is very, very Hitchcockian 
in in terms of its intensity, in terms of it's not a super violent film. It's not it's not a, a a terribly scary film, but it's a film that has a lot of dread and unease. And talking about people who played Professor X wanting to get Oscar nominations, McAvoy crushes in this Absolutely. film. Absolutely. The fact that he's able to portray all of these different personalities, and he doesn't do all of them. He does maybe five or six. The physical performance involved in that, the 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 facial features, the the line delivery is so good. You can't stop watching him. Here's the cool thing about Split, and Split will show up on my list as well, higher up, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and the best way that I can equate it about this movie and, and the performance by uh, McAvoy is... My wife isn't quite as into movies as we are, okay. um, but still enjoys them. We watched this one actually together, and she made a comment out loud at one point when we were watching it about how it's crazy. You can tell at this point, like it was pretty late in the film. Right. He's like, she said, it's crazy how I already know what character he is just when he switches his facial expressions. Like, That's amazing. He did, hadn't even spoke yet, so you heard the voice because he does different voices right. for each of them. Right, English voices, does Boston voice. But she's like, I already knew he switched into this other character. Like, you, if you are paying attention and you're watching him, you can see when he goes from character to character mm -hmm. and transitions just by the expression that he has. And that, to me, is is fantastic. It's so and good. how you can play, like, six or seven characters in one movie – but be the same person is and not even get whispers of of nomination is crazy right. to me for a movie that was so well received critically as well. Yep, so absolutely. But uh, number 15 for me is Get Out. Um, nice. This would be another what I would classify as surprise. I think three of the movies we've talked about thus far, Logan, Split and Get Out, came in untraditional uh time frame they were all february movies or yeah. right around there right around there very early in the year movies and uh, all of them at times have been rumored have been talked about for awards now i don't think they're going to get many sure or be nominated Sadly. for much but they've at least been in the conversation and for you to have that kind of staying power i think is a big credit and get out is such a cool way of doing like a i, I would call it more a thriller than a than a horror movie obviously agree. um but it's really cool to see like the evolution of like it kept me guessing. Yeah. And, and granted, I didn't read a spoiler like you probably did. Definitely. Um, I saw it like 10 months after its release. I knew everything about this. It's movie. true. Still uh, really well made. Yeah, absolutely. And and believe it or not, I stayed pretty much in the dark about the movie okay. overall um, going into it. So I watched it and it was fantastic. I mean, the twists and turns to see. Um, you know, it's definitely got some some undertones in there, some some social commentary. Oh, in it there. is. There is no sum <laughs> about it, my friend. This is a social commentary movie, but it's one that's super engaging. But it doesn't. At the same time, it doesn't come off as preachy. Like no, I think not sometimes these movies that are social commentary, and this is what I I really appreciated about it is like you don't have to make like an old school slavery movie right. or something like that. Right. Or, like, go over the top to show, like, a certain type of message. And you can you can almost, you know, for lack of a better term, have fun with it, too, from the standpoint. You can still make it an engaging and 
non-predictable story but still get that message across and mm-hmm. and i mean it was awesome and you could have never convinced me that jordan peele was the one that jordan peele baby yeah i love it i love it i'm so excited to see what he does next number 15 for me thor ragnarok um Guardians of the Galaxy just missed my list. I'm going to put that out there right now. Like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. There are some really poignant things in that movie. But Thor Ragnarok is just so funny. I mean, the fact that Disney and Marvel were able to breathe the life that they did into this franchise, which arguably the Thor franchise out of all the Avengers franchise is probably the least regarded. It's not terrible by any means, but as you said, this third film blows the other two out of the water. Absolutely. And bringing on Taika Waititi and his funky Kiwi sensibilities, his weird sense of humor, paid huge dividends with Korg, as we talked about last episode, Talking Hulk, Goldblum, like there's so many great things in here. I hope they bring back Kate Blanchett, um, you know, for things like that. It's one of the most, one of Marvel's funniest films, but it also kind of brought a little synergy together in the sense that Marvel's films, when they're galactic, they're a little fucking weird. Goofy. <laughs> they're yep. a little goofy. And this sort of embraced that. It sort of brought Thor and the, the, the feeling of Guardians of the Galaxy closer together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that works really, really well for that film. So yeah, Thor Ragnarok number 15. Uh, for me, one that we've already talked about, 14, Split. Yep. Great movie. Great movie. Great great thriller, great twists, great performances. You said everything you had to say. Your wife's your rice endorsement is actually really ringing endorsement. Right, so absolutely. For sure. For sure. Uh, so number 14 for me is War for the Planet of the Apes. This is a movie I feel is probably one of the most critically ignored films of the year. And it's terrible that it's so ignored because this is, we, we were talking about last week, sequels and prequels and remakes and franchises and things like that. And quietly... This new Planet of the Apes trilogy was something that started out with everybody like, what? What's really? We're gonna make new Planet of the Apes movies, and then they're like motion capture with Andy Serkis, and everyone's like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they're like, James James Franco's gonna be, and they're like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> and it it quietly and with very little fanfare turned into, and I, and I say this trying not trying not to be hyperbolic about it, but it genuinely turned into one of the best serious film trilogies mm-hmm. of this millennium like i'm i'm going i'm thinking all the way back to like lord of the rings for films that just progressively got better yeah and 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 sure there are funny moments in it but this isn't a film you take kids to kids would be bored to shit by this film probably this is a serious adult oriented franchise that still manages to be pg-13 that deals with serious themes of humanity and revenge and loyalty and not to mention that i think Andy Serkis deserves at least a special Oscar for what he has done as the character of Caesar. This this brings Caesar's journey full circle. Um, and the fact that you have so many people shitting on franchise films when you have these films like War for the Planet of the Apes come out that is just fantastic. Yeah. It's so, so frustrating. And I, and I hope that the Academy gives it at least a little bit of technical love. Did you know none of those Planet of the Apes movies have won a special effects Oscar? Which is a travesty. Those apes I mean, look fucking real, dude. And it's had stiff competition, but at sure. some point, you got to give it to they them. They look real. Like, they look real. 
they fool the human eye. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. So that's my number 14, War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, 13 for me, Logan. Another one that I unfortunately didn't see in theaters, but I got to catch it recently, actually. Good. And um, performances are fantastic. I mean, I don't think anybody ever looks back on the X-Men movies and talks about the performances too often. Not that they were bad. Sure. But... They're no one, no one really looked at like Hugh Jackman and was like everybody just said like he He's looks Wolverine. like Wolverine yeah. and and does an awesome job. But like there was actually like legitimate like gritty performances in this movie that were um, that were fun to watch. Definitely was that was moving. The story was moving for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think they breathed some life into that franchise from the standpoint of not that it was dying, but like the Wolverine or the X-Men movies overall, um, while this new generation ones have, have done well. And I think have been good movies overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they opened up a new storyline that we won't have seen in, in comic books and, uh, cartoons and things like that There's- over and over again. Cause I would, absolutely love to follow where those kids go and and see that story continue even if you want to age them some and fast forward them you know a handful of years like they were she could be the new wolverine oh absolutely she was fantastic right so and 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 i think to fox's credit they're taking the x-men franchise in directions that are really exciting logan being the the desolate western that it is deadpool being the absolute fucking insanity that it is but even films like the new mutants which looks like straight up horror film yeah they're doing some interesting stuff with the x-men it's about fucking time because somebody needs to step up just in time for them to sell just oh shit (laughs) yeah you're right dude you're right it'll be super we'll see if disney Disney disneyifies them Hopefully they keep it going, man. Yep. We'll see. Uh, number 13 for me is Get Out. Everything that you said, 100%. I think that there is no subtlety about the social commentary <laughs> at all. That was sarcasm. I know. Um, I know. But uh, you actually brought up a really good point. Is is Not only does it not hammer it home, but I think what this film does really well is is it portrays the awkwardness of the situation. You know, a single black man in a big white community, everybody pandering to him, giving him giving – him, acting like they're cool but it's just fucking awkward and making us single straight white american males feel that awkwardness is so powerful oh yeah it's so powerful not to mention uh, allison williams crushes in this movie the way her character changes yeah one of my favorite parts of the film oh yeah and then those touches her at the beginning of the movie versus her at the end of the movie so good Awesome. So good. That scene where she's eating Fruit Loops yeah. <laughs> is is one of the like quiet, most quietly disturbing things. Just like if you saw somebody, if I saw somebody sitting in her office eating like that, I'd call the fucking cops. Right? <laughs> it's it's so unsettling the way she eats her Fruit Loops in that movie. Def- definitely a movie. I feel like probably a lot of people, even that listen to this podcast, haven't seen that. No. That you need to go. And you see. should see Get Out. Yep. It's don't expect to be scared, but it's 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 entertaining as shit. Yeah, it'll make you jump once or twice. Yeah. But it's if you're one of those people that says I'm not a horror person. Listen, I'm not a horror person either. No. And I loved it. It was. And fantastic. you have three horror films on your list this year. I'm so proud of you. I know, right? The same as mine, but whatever. Yeah. Well, that tells you. Um, <laughs> number twelve for me is Baby Driver. Um, I. 
was pumped about Baby Driver, something different. Um, the only thing I wasn't sold on from the start and even walking away, I wasn't like a huge fan of the performance is, is the lead. Um, Ansel El Gore. Ansel, yeah. Um, but not a fun name to say. No, that's why I always forget how to say it. Uh, but Jamie Foxx uh, so kills it. So good. And uh, oh, what's his name? John Hamm. John Hamm. Crushes. Kill it. Kevin Spacey, great. All the sporting was great. Um, I feel like there was some missed opportunities that would have made it like probably in my top three or four. Um, we talked about that on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to yep. the Baby Driver some podcast, movie decisions, but really it came down to I feel like music my music yep music being it didn't even have to be like super mainstream like you didn't need to have like Beyonce going on or something like that but like something that like was a little bit more catchy that like I could walk away singing like mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you one of the songs that's in that movie mm -hmm. um so but other than that it's a fantastic movie the the opening scene is is awesome I know you talked about it in your yeah. favorite scenes but um great movie overall and and uses the music awesome and and the cuts and the driving scenes uh were just awesome yeah i actually think i i, I skipped over that in my top ones i don't recall talking about it so i'll have to I, baby drivers on my list so remind me to talk about that um number 12 for me is wonder woman um and wonder woman's a really great film i think it was slightly elevated a little bit more on a pedestal by the fact that the dc films thus far have been pretty shitty and like if you eat shit for long enough even a mcdonald's cheeseburger is going to taste like a delicacy that being said wonder woman is not a mcdonald's cheeseburger it's what these super what these dc films should be like these mm -hmm. dc films are about living gods who should be signs of hope and encouragement and rally people around them and this was that film you know having a character like wonder woman who doesn't want to go fight but I need to go fight. I need to stop this. I don't want to go do this. This mm -hmm. fighting is terrible, but I need to go stop this war. Or seeing her, you know, care, like with a scene where she stops about and sees the baby. Mm -hmm. Like things like that are so good. Not to mention that Gal Gadot and Chris Pine are like the fucking best couple. Like they're making Google yeah. eyes at each other the whole movie. And Chris Pine's charming as shit. Ish. Yep. He's so good in the movie, and their their characters in general are so good. You know, I'm glad that you're getting Patty Jenkins back. I'm excited to see Wonder Woman is probably going to be like the best of these superhero films. Yeah. So we'll. Although we got one next year, uh, this year now, uh, that I'm excited for. But Wonder Woman's my number twelve. Uh, number eleven for me is it. So going back to the uh, the horror franchise, there one that. If we go back to earlier this year, I was not <laughs> wanting not to see. Not at all. Um, but it turned out to be a good movie, a uh, great movie. And I think there's a lot of memorable scenes. You talked about one of one of my favorites, if not my favorite from that. Mm -hmm. um, I think what made me love it as much as I did was the interactions and the dialogues between the friends. Um, it reminds you a lot of almost Goonie-esque, which yeah. I know a lot of people compared it to. Uh, but it did. It felt more like a Goonie-esque movie than uh, than a straight horror movie or or, or even thriller movie right. from that standpoint. I mean, right. um, I enjoyed the scenes with, with, with the clown, but you could have made me enjoy that movie just as much if you inserted some other type of... Thing. you know thing there and i would have enjoyed it too so uh, that being said uh whatever that guy's name is that 
played the clown. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. There you go. I'm terrible with names today. It's okay. I got uh, you. Skarsgård was awesome as it. I mean, so you good. couldn't recognize him. Um, so so good. props to the makeup department there too. But a uh, fantastic movie and and a surprising one for me that it wouldn't have even been in my top. 15 yeah uh, much less top 11 yeah it really is like a more intense r-rated version of the goonies i have it as my number 11 as well uh we have actually in our upcoming we have a lot matching in terms of (laughs) placement here but you like any type of genre movies horror thriller action they're improved when you care about the characters and this movie made you care about the characters made you care about all the kids all the kids crushed it and then like you said bill skarsgård bill skarsgård to this Pennywise, um, comparatively to, um, uh, oh my God, Robbins, Tim Robbins, not Tim Robbins, not Tim Robbins, no. uh, your buddy Tim Robbins, no Tim Curry, <laughs> Tim Curry, uh, Tim Wrong Robbins, Tim. get Tim Robbins out of here, get him out of here. I just wanted to get him into this podcast. Tim, Cur- Tim Curry, uh, Bill Skarsgård to Tim Curry is very much like Heath Ledger to Jack Nicholson, like those those not to make the clown of uh, you know comparisons of that on the nose, but you know, those might be your old your old uncle's clowns, and these new clowns are just otherworldly. And the fact, and he just seems so alien, uh, which is so so effective. Um, it's also funny as shit. Like it's a funny movie. It's yeah. really really funny. So yeah, it is our number eleven. What's our number ten? Uh, number ten is Spider Man Homecoming. Yep, me too. It was second for me. I think it might be your top superhero i believe it is my top superhero film um but it was a little surprising to me you know i wasn't in the camp of being super pumped to get another spider-man movie yeah not a lot of people Um, were so it was pleasantly surprising i think um you know some of the scenes that you talked about i think i liked seeing them finally get an appropriate appropriately aged uh spider-man yes. and putting him in high school and and sh- showing that dynamic reminded me more of what i always enjoyed about the comics and the even the cartoon that was on tv um so to me that was awesome obviously the effects and that they're always going to be good in in marvel movies sure. and that um which this was the marvel spider-man um loaned loaned by sony to marvel at which point marvel then came and said sony just let us make your spider-man movie you can fucking have all the money to it you can whatever you can distribute it whatever just let's make it let us fix this for you because you keep fucking up i feel like marvel and 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 sony or well i guess it doesn't matter anymore but you know marvel and warner's brothers they should get like trading cards you know, old school trading cards and be like, we'll give you Wonder Woman, Aquaman yep. for there this are, person. There are <laughs> charts that that detail who owns what. Yeah. Like, for example, both Marvel and Fox, although now Marvel, all Marvel, but Marvel and Fox both owned Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. So remember you had two different Quicksilvers in two different movies? Yeah. Shit like that is really interesting. It is. Um, so, but, but great movie. I agree. Spider-Man Homecoming is my number 10 as well, and I, I'm the same. What made Spy- what makes Spider-Man such a unique hero is that he's a kid. And when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans came out and the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans came out, those are more traditional Spider-Man movies. Tobey Maguire spends one movie sort of in high school. Andrew Garfield, same thing. Like they, they, they grad actually Tobey Maguire graduates halfway through. Yeah. Like they're not in high school for very long. Nope. They're pretty much adults, like young adults. And that's kind of gets away from what makes Spider-Man so unique. And the fact that they brought it back to this high school setting and they basically made it like a John Hughes superhero movie. 
Amazing villain. Michael Keaton's fantastic in it. Not an, um, an appropriate amount of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Like a really perfect amount of Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Uh, excellent film. Excellent superhero film. I'm excited to see what happens with Spider-Man in Infinity War and the sequels going. Tom Holland's great Spider-Man, number 10. Yep. No problem. Uh, number nine for me, I one that you've already talked about, so I won't talk too much, is Thor Ragnarok. Um, my One of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, we'll go through that when we do the build-up to uh, Infinity yes, War. Yes, the countdown um, to Infinity War. So stay tuned. We're going to be doing a lot of content we on got that. got May 4th. We're going to have some good Avengers content. So, but... We've already talked about favorite scenes and things like that, so I'm not going to beat it, but hilarious. Um, I hope they continue to go that route with Thor. I think they will, obviously, with the success. I hope in Infinity War he's the same type of personality. I think. I hope they gave Hulk some personality in Infinity War and kind of kept that going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know every time when you shift directors and, and things like that, Things can change, but I hope they saw how successful it worked in Ragnarok and and stuck with that sure. uh, because it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, my number nine is John Wick Chapter 2, which, you, you know, I maybe wouldn't think is on a top, top end of the year list, whatever, but it is genuinely one of the best action films of the year. The action choreography is amazing. As I've already said numerous times, Keanu Reeves, I think, is one of the most underrated physical performers that we have right now. Guy can't deliver dialogue. He can't do accents, but he sure can do an action sequence. He does it impeccably. You brought up a really great comparison, the way Jackie Chan choreographs his sequences. Keanu is just as meticulous doing it. Not to mention, it took a really interesting world and expanded it in ways that I'm like, I'm in for part three. When are we getting part three? I'm, I'm super pumped about it. I mean, we're going to have to wait a little while for it. But just, I mean, there's not much more to say in that. It is just badass action all year, all movie through, and really interesting world building. Great villains common, and, and Ruby Rose makes some really great villains, some really good foes that he has to go up against. Great stuff. John Wick Chapter 2 is my number nine. All right, number eight for me is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, we actually saw this movie together. We did. Um, but just a fantastic film. I mean, to me, it kind of uh, filled that Manchester by the Sea. Uh, the talky drama. Yeah, talky drama. I don't want like eight of those in a year, but I like one, one really good one sure. each year. And I think, um, listen... If Frances McDormand doesn't win the the Oscar, I'm going to be upset. Cause for Best Actress? She, for a Best Actress. I know she's got stiff competition, but I think she deserves it. She was fantastic. And then Sam Rockwell, again, I'm I'm pushing for both acting major actors. That is a, a and large hill. And and obviously Rockwell will be for supporting, I would I would think. Um, but he was fantastic in it. Um, just seeing the the change of his character over time, the redemption for his character. And I even like how they ended it. Um, Not to to play too big of a spoiler for people because we never did a podcast on this, but um, I even enjoyed how they ended that movie and, and didn't answer the questions of, of what happened from there. Um, And I, and I don't always enjoy that, but I, I really enjoyed it. I love the depth to the characters. Woody Harrelson was 
fantastic. Listen, so good. You're reminded how good of an actor Woody Harrelson is when he every like once every like three years does a serious role. Woody had a great year this year. Yeah, really so, good year. He was fantastic, yeah. and he's got Solo coming out. He does. He does. Our next three films are exactly the same. Outside three, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I agree with everything. Sam Rockwell absolutely crushes it. Martin McDonough is one of the one of our great living writers, and the way that this film is basically a parable um, about a lot of modern things that can be applied to the way we act online, the way that we act with technology, the way that he applies this to a small, you know, Midwest town is is absolutely great. I love the themes in this movie. I love how this this approaches how justified anger can have unintended ca casualties like you know you're angry you want to lash out at things but that has consequences mm -hmm. and i my favorite part is that no one is beyond redemption mm -hmm. no one and that's really important in today's age where we are so quick to want to just end the, the the living life of somebody because of one mistake or one shitty thing that they said. Mm -hmm. Like as human beings, we are all imperfect. We are all we are we've all done crappy things. And if the world knew about like the crappiest thing you've ever done, which I can't even fucking begin to think what the crappiest thing you've ever done is probably like didn't let somebody into your house in Canada or some <laughs> bullshit like that. If the internet thought like found out like the shittiest thing I've ever done, I'm done. I, I, I don't have a life anymore. Um, and that's kind of what this is about. No one is beyond redemption. Even the worst people can be redeemed despite what your, your anger and your need for vengeance might think. Nobody's beyond redemption. That's why I love this so much. That's our number eight. I feel like we need to go Goonies and put your hand in a blender nope. and you can just start. I don't confessing. even know what the worst thing is. I'll just list <laughs> off a bunch of shit. I know exactly. Until we like get the Goonies. to like that's definitely the worst thing you've done. <laughs> just like the Goonies. Oh God, no. Um, number seven. Number seven. <laughs> which you said were the same yep. is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of really good looking movies this year. But if this doesn't win, um, it's it's pretty hard to uh, hard to argue that anything else deserves it over Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. Um, obviously, Gosling was awesome in it. Um, I liked how they used Harrison Ford and didn't force him into too much of the movie and too much of a storyline. I thought they did a good job of connecting the two without being heavy handed with it. Um, and it they created a great universe jared leto's his normal weird self yep. and um i mean i think as good as some of the the story was itself i mean it's hard to walk away without the first thing you talk about being how great it looked it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous film but it's also one of my favorite genres I, it's same for me it's number seven blade runner 2049 is a a film noir and it is and it's a detective story and it is one of one of my favorite genres is detective stories and one of my favorite moods for film is film noir um and the fact that it's about humanity and relationships and and it has these little breadcrumbs it's so fucking good and it's just so the the performances are really profound even when the majority of people on the screen aren't human beings yeah. you know they're they're supposed to be robots really really great stuff there maybe is one other movie that 
looks as good as this film. It's it's later on my list here, but Blade Runner 2049, I think I'm most disappointed that, but I'm not surprised that it was box office failure. It only made like $92 million. Listen, when you make a two hour, 45 minute sequel to one of the most div divisive box office failures, science fiction films of the 80s, it shouldn't become, it shouldn't be a surprise that this didn't make a ton of money, but I'll be damned if it wasn't a worthy follow-up that, that satisfied everybody that saw it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number six is Logan Lucky. Um, Me too. <laughs> we, we, we talked about it a lot. It's, it's Oceans meets NASCAR. Yep. Uh, fantastic performances. Obviously, you don't have quite believe it or not with all the star power that's in logan lucky you don't have quite the star power that you did in the oceans it's movies. true but it's pretty darn close and um to me it was fun to see someone like adam driver in a different role like everybody yep. daniel it, craig everybody is immediately thinking adam driver they're thinking kylo ren right um, or they're thinking the fucking guy from girls that's not true. you but a lot of other people it's are true um that's what i thought Daniel Craig. So good. We talked about it in our podcast on this, but did, the, did, did that movie that he needed to do to take him to the next level? Are you listening, Christian Bale? Yes. Um, I would love to see some more people do that, step outside of their comfort zone. And it just further enforced that I love Steven Sp Soderbergh. He does come out with the occasional really weird one that I don't have any desire in seeing. That's but true. his films are artsy and i somehow dig it so there you go <laughs> i love how him and chanting tatum are like best buds like yeah, magic mike also, and, yeah and all that stuff the, i think the thing that surprised me the most about logan lucky is that yes it's funny as hell it has really funny performances but it also has a really unexpected amount of heart yeah like you could easily make a film that mocks Southerners for being simple-minded and dumb and whatever. And there's plenty of that in here, but it's always done with a kind of kind-heartedness. And it shows, you know, it actually kind of come, comes off as a sweet love letter to Southern themes like family and NASCAR and, and sticking it to the man, you know. And, and the ending is, is really, really heartfelt as well. And so I think as funny as it is and as great of a heist movie as it is, and we've went through our full Logan Lucky podcast, breaking down heist films, the fact that it was so careful with its characters and so you know respectful of its characters I think is what pushed it, pushed it up for me. And can I just take one quick pause to say I know he's dead, but props to John Denver. I mean, John his, Denver. His music. This was the year of John Denver music. It really was. John Denver had music in Free Fire, which you talked about briefly on the last episode. Yep. Uh, Alien Covenant. Yep. Uh, Okja? How do you Oak say that? Okja. 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 Sure. Anyways, that Okja. one. And Logan Lucky. Yep. And I'm pretty sure they're also oh, they're in Kingsman, Kingsman too. Kingsman, the Golden Kingsman. Circle. Yeah. Yeah, oddly and, enough. And, like, it's two songs. Annie is in one of them, his yeah. song Annie's Song. Uh, and then Take Me Home Country Road is in the other three. It's crazy. And it's such a – guess what? It's on my Spotify rotation now. Right? It's so – yeah. Shout how out does, to John Denver. How does a song like Take Me Home Country Road <laughs> end up in all these movies? It's got, it's got some heart to it. Props it's just, to John it's Denver. It's just like what makes Logan Lucky so good. It's got heart. Yep. It's got heart to it. All right, David, number five for you. Top number five, five for, for me. Uh, surprising, I would have thought this would have been a little bit higher, but, you know, as I, I look back, Star Wars for me. All right. Um, 
listen, all t- all of my top five are fantastic, and uh, it was really hard to pick which one went where. Sure. Um, and I would say that with my top five, everything else kind of fell into line for me. But Star Wars, I I loved it. I liked that it opened doors to places we haven't been with Star Wars. Obviously, yeah. I liked that it didn't. I mean, as I've thought about it, you can draw a lot of parallels if you're trying to force it to Empire Strikes Back, but not like you could with Force Awakens and A New Hope or sure. Star Wars, as it was originally sure. called. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you get some great iconic scenes like uh, the the battle. You saw some progression from a lot of the characters that we saw in the last one, which mm-hmm. was cool to see them evolve. Um, and then I think, um, you know, I, I liked what they did with, with Luke, I know it wasn't what everybody was expecting, but sure, sure. that was something that was refreshing to me to not see us go somewhere that was expected. Yeah. Because we've had, this was movie number eight in the Star Wars franchise. Wow, so yeah. let's maybe do something unexpected for once. I don't That's know. Good. I think there's a lot of unexpected stuff in there. Um, number five for me, Baby Driver. Uh, you know, you talked about it. Probably one of the best edited films of the year. Um, second only to one of the other films in my top five. I'm the same with you. My top five is pretty much all my favorite movies. They're all even to me. But Baby Driver was so good. And I had my doubts about it. The performances are Jamie Foxx, John Hamm. Nail it. Even Ansel Elgort, Lily James. I love Lily James in this Lily movie. James I fell in really love good. with Lily James yeah, in this she was movie. Awesome. Um, even Kevin Spacey, the, the the name who shall not be mentioned, does a <laughs> does a great job in this film. But the, the way that it plays out, like a like an extended, um, an extended music video, and the way that it's edited to the beat of the music mm-hmm. is something I've never seen in a motion picture before, and it's so good. It's just it's one of the better action movies of the year. Um, the characters are amazing, in-depth, vibrant. Uh, it's great. I love Baby Driver. Baby Driver, number five. I like it. Uh, number four for me, Wonder Woman. Mm. You talked about it a lot already. I think... You love Wonder Woman a lot more than I do. I do. I love it. And and to me, I think, you know, I, I'm a Chris Pine fan, but I think to me it was the d- dynamic between those two that to me elevated it a lot over the superhero movies that we've had in the past. Sure. Um, you go to any of them. Like, you had the Potts and and uh, Tony Stark dynamic sure. in, in some of those where you had kind of the emotional sure, types you there. Have the, but you have at the end of the day, like, it was super light on that and heavy on lots of action and stuff right. like that. And I feel like this one did a lot to really develop their relationship all the way through, mm-hmm. which to me, if – you know, like it or not, if superhero movies want to be in that conversation for best picture and that I think they've got to do depth like Patty Jenkins did in yes. Wonder Woman. They've got to show more than just, look, we can make really good looking movies that right. have some kick ass action. That's fine. You can make your millions of dollars. You can be like Transformers and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But I think if you invest a little bit more into the development of the characters and showing a little bit more into them, I think you get a really great re- result. And um, yeah, I mean, I it I think it also significantly reinvigorated that franchise, even though we've talked about Justice League we've kind t- of taking that down <laughs> a notch. But down. people are still pumped to see what more comes out of Wonder Woman, at Absolutely. least. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Very exciting. Uh, number four for me is Wind River. It pains me that Wind River is number four. I, it could be number one. It's so good. We already talked about the scene earlier. It's I love Westerns in general, mm -hmm. and no one is better at making modern Westerns than Taylor Sheridan right now. Yep. The guy is on fire. As a writer, this is his directorial debut. I am in on anything that he is doing. And the like. this is essentially, if you want to boil it down to like simplistic, it's essentially CSI Wyoming. But it's such a deeply moving character piece that deals with grief and loss and, and the ability to keep moving forward. And it also is a wonderful deconstruction of the traditional relationship between cowboys and Indians and, and, and whatnot. And I, I, I don't say Indians as, a, as a, uh, uh, you know, an, uh, an ignorant term. It's just that it was always cowboys and Indians. But seeing the, the relationship between cowboys and Native Americans in this film is great. And the mystery is great. The bursts of action few and far between but so visceral and stunning um i'm i'm in for anything taylor sheridan does yeah i'm in uh number three for me is dunkirk um hard to not have this at the top um the way that christopher nolan did the storytelling in dunkirk is so unique and and to do a movie that legitimately does not have a lead actor in my yep. opinion or lead actress yep. or a lead character lead character in general um to piece together a timeline in such a unique way yep. um you know it's not quite inception inception you got kind of like the dream within a dream and right. different things like that play this one i think was more like just here's a linear story and I'm just going to take an axe to it and then shuffle it all together and tell the storyline mm -hmm. and that was just the story part of it. And you already referenced when we talked about best scenes, some of the sound and editing in it too um, was just fantastic. Some of the things that they so did. Good. Such a such a well done movie. Um, it's more like one C for me than than three. Um, but it's it was by far one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, it's it's definitely on my list. My number three is Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Everything that you said about us, 100% correct. Kylo Ren has turned into one of the most compelling villains in modern filmmaking. He's so layered and so hateable, but so understandable. Visually, it's iconic. Just it's it's visually speaking, unlike any other Star Wars film that we've ever seen. There are some moments in there that are pure Ryan Johnson, from the 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 red stained battle at Crate to the hyperspace sequence that is in silence. Um, I love Star Wars Last Jedi. I love the lessons that the characters learn. There's genuine growth there. And I love that we are at a point in Star Wars where we genuinely don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what we're going to get. And that's a, that is a really exciting feeling to me. Um, so, I mean, I wrote the longest <laughs> dissertation on Star Wars. You can go read it at, yeah, po at popcorndietpodcast.com. But I wrote this huge critical analysis of the themes and the purpose of the characters and sequences in, in The Last Jedi. You should check it out. But I won't say any more on that. I'll let that piece speak for itself. Number two for me, uh, Wind River. Um, not a lot to add that we haven't talked about already. Um, a movie that obviously by the box office, not a lot of people saw, but you should see it. I mean, uh, if you didn't see hell or high water last year, you need to see it. It's, it's that good. I, I don't think it has, um, the lightheartedness that hell or high water had a no, lot not throughout quite it. The comedy, but there is um, some in there. There is some in there. 
Um, but Jeremy Renner's fantastic. All the performances are fantastic in it. And the buildup to it is is just awesome. And at the end, um, the, and what's, the payoff is fantastic, even though you're dealing with a really heavy story overall. It's it's deserves to be nominated for Best Picture, and it pains me that it probably won't be. You don't think it'll get nominated for Best Picture? I hope it will. I think it will. I well, think it will. It I think if it doesn't, it's a it's a I will be I will fucking boycott the Oscars, David. It'll push me over the edge. I can't believe you even spoke that into being. <laughs> I'm just oh saying. my god. Number, I hope so. Number two is 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 I mean, I I I think it. I hope it does. If it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I won't boycott the Oscars. Maybe I need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> but but it's a beautiful. It's it's amazing. You need to see it. Um, number two for me is Dunkirk. We've already you already talked about how he plays with time. Christopher Nolan wields time like a weapon against the audience, and he uses the intersecting timelines in Dunkirk in a way to set Easter eggs f- for the audience. If you're paying attention, it ratchets the t- it ratchets the tension up even more. Like the boat, like when you see the boat, I see that when the pilot flies by and you see the boat sinking, and then it cuts to the boys on the shore and they're like, "We need to take this boat." Like, you know bad shit's going to happen. It's so well done. It, it, it is an experience. It is, not only is it an experience, but it is a wonderful, like, it's a soaring movie. It's a crowd-pleasing movie that is about uh, retreat. And that's something that's amazing before is it, you know, Dunkirk isn't some triumphant battle that we won. It's we just, you know, and we, we didn't even do it. It was the Brits. They just GTFO, dropped the mic and got out of there, lived to fight another day. Amazing, amazing. And one of Hans Zimmer's best scores, not because it's so hummable, but because it is such an important part of that film. So, yeah, I go on and on about Dunkirk. It's phenomenal. All right, number one for me is Molly's Game, one that Rick hasn't seen yet, so probably just pains him to hear me talk about it. It really does. It's Aaron Sorkin. Doing what Aaron Sorkin does and and just fantastic writing, um, performances are all great. Um, it's really cool too because it was one of the movies that made me really want to read a lot more into the story. And then even as I read into the story and sort of what went into it, um, and the way that they treat Idris Elba's character, okay, um, and the fact that. A lot of people have talked, and he hasn't come out and said it, but a lot of people have said that Idris Elba doesn't represent a lawyer. Um, he really ap- represents Aaron Sorkin right. when Molly Bloom came to him and pinched the idea of doing a movie, um, which was fascinating to me um, to see just how that was handled with his character. And then, like I said, the the poker scene um, that we talked about when we talked about best scenes is just awesome and um and i think it just plays to some of my nerdiness of like always wanting to know kind of like the true stories behind like celebrities and stuff like that and like knowing that like jesse eisenberg's character in it is a lot of toby mcguire in real life no not jesse eisenberg um what's his name uh, Michael Sarah or Michael Sarah. Why? Well, well, I don't know why I'm saying. You're getting, your, ner- you're getting your nerdy, curly-haired <laughs> actors mixed up. That's right. I'm. I'm thinking. That's of, right. Uh, That's what yeah. I'm here for. I got you. 
Um, but Michael Sarah's character in it, the fact that that's pretty loosely, but not completely sure. loosely based sure. on on who Toby Maguire is in real life and in this story, um, and then even knowing that people like DiCaprio and Affleck were part of these oh. this game and this story, and just having that context to it all just uh, just made it really interesting to I you know I haven't done it yet but i'll probably end up buying her book and okay. wanting to read it too so oh that's um, a good, awesome movie that's a resounding endorsement my number one is a film that i just watched recently and it is the shape of water the shape of water is guillermo del toro's masterpiece um he's always struck me as a kid who grew up and related to the monsters more in monster films he said as much in, in many many interviews uh and it's a gorgeous fairy tale love story that is weird as shit. Like, just a love story between a fish man and a mute woman. This movie's weird as shit, okay? It's just, Guillermo's a weird dude. I love him for it. Crazy little Mexican man, and I love him so much. And I love that this film, like, is getting all of this critical acclaim, but Guillermo didn't have to dull his sensibilities. Like, this movie is gross it has very bloody moments it's 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 disgusting in certain places the performances are all amazing sally hawkins is amazing in this movie it's a it's a supremely it's a brave performance but it's a almost completely wordless performance it's so good dude i know you love some francis mcdormand sally hawkins is so good in this movie. i haven't seen i haven't seen i know it you yet, have so it. Um, maybe I'll change my mind on Richard Jenkins. Michael Shannon is pure Michael Shannon. It's a gorgeous movie. It might be the second best looking movie of the year behind Blade Runner. Shape of Water is something that is made for the lonely people, the people who think that they're losers, who think that they're incomplete, who think that they are um, alone. And it's made for those people. It's a love letter to those people to 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 show that you know you're not really alone. That you can. You know, you can find that joy in life. You can find fulfillment in life. And it's so good. It's so layered in everything that's going on. It's my number one film of the year. It's phenomenal. Um, to wrap up, David, I want to go through. We're not going to go through everything. All right. Just for the sake of time and the fact that I'm hungry. We're not going to go through everything. But I want you to give me real quickly. Give me your top, eh, let's say five most anticipated movies of the year. And before you even say it, there's some crazy fucking movies coming out this year. David Gordon Green's working on a Halloween remake. Super Troopers 2's coming out. Another Fantastic Beasts movie. Venom with Tom Hardy. The Predator written and directed by Shane Black. Another Mission Impossible. Another Sicario. Like, there are so many great movies coming out. So many potential amazing things to happen this year. Boil it down to your top five for me. What are you most excited to watch in 2018. All right, I'm I'm gonna pull a Ricky and and throw a couple of uh, I love it. Uh, throw a couple of extras in here Perfect. that you didn't have on your list. We looked at each other's list prior, and and I don't know if Rick it's looked true. at mine. Um, oh, you have a do you do have a good one on there? But uh, I'll start with Apostle. Do you know Apostle? I don't know Apostle. So Apostle, Apostle. Apostle is actually going to be a movie by one of your favorites. Or maybe this maybe um, done by. The <gasps> director of the raid and raid two, so he's doing another one, and it's um, I think it goes to like this island, and there's some 
crazy stuff that goes on, yeah. but it's the director of the raid. So you yes. know you're going to get some freaking awesome action. I'm so into the, I'm into this. Af- after raid and raid two, I mean, I'll go see this guy's movie, whatever it's about yep. at this point. So yep. um, that one's on there for me as far as one that's kind of less talked about. Um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Great title. I mean, the title alone just gets me pumped. Um, the but, cast. But when you get Bridges playing like a like down on his luck or rejected uh-huh. like priest, and it's supposed to be like dark, and I'm 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 Drew in. Goddard, the director of Cabin in the Woods. Yep, oh. that's that's the other thing I was gonna say. Yep, you're so, right. I'm in on that. I'm, I'm all I'm all for that. Um, and then my last one, I'll get to my top five, uh, Cloverfield. The you next, know, the next Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yes. So we don't have a title for it in true Cloverfield fashion. We don't have a trailer for it. We don't have a trailer for it. But I was, I enjoyed Cloverfield the first one. Um, I'm not a huge fan, found footage person, but sure. I enjoyed it. Um, but I love Ten Cloverfield Lane. Um, just the suspense that was brought from it. Plus, I like that you get like, while you get someone new at the same time, like you know it's going to be a solid film because of the way that they do these Cloverfield movies and the way that they're pretty selective about who they get and the story that they do and that. And so I'm pumped for that. Um, And then my top five, uh, and I'll just run through them because all of them are pretty self-explanatory. Sure. Uh, Solo, despite all the different noise going around it and things that have happened, that almost makes me want to see it more. Um, And, you know, you never know. We'll see if uh, Disney has the ability to mess up a a, a Star Wars a sure movie. thing. I I hope I hope that's not the case. I hope it's fantastic, and and I'm excited for that. Deadpool two um, could be my number one on here. Okay. Um, but I'm pumped for that. I love the first Deadpool. It's it's superheroes. It's Ryan Reynolds being sarcastic and Josh Brolin. Cable. Josh Brolin is Cable. Uh, why not cash some more mobile or uh, Marvel money? Yep. Um. The Irishman. I can't believe I missed this. I can't believe you didn't have this on your list. I am ashamed. You should be. (laughs) Um, For those of you that don't know The Irishman, we get something that people have wanted for a long time. Yep. Which is Scorsese to be reunited with De Niro, Pacino, Pesci. I mean, come on. Keitel. Harvey Keitel's. Forget about it. Jimmy Hoffa, the story of Jimmy Hoffa. We even, we even get Ray Romano in this. Ray Romano, Bobby Cavanale, age de aging special effects, like the most highly budgeted Netflix film. Netflix paying one hundred twenty five million dollars to get this film made. You're right. I'm in. I don't. Yep. I can't believe I left that off my list. Ocean's Eight. It has to be at the top of my list with my love of the Ocean's movie. Yep. Even though the trailer caused me to pause a little bit because I feel like. Instead of doing like its own take, it's like doing a reboot of like some of the exact same scenes sure. from the first one. But I'm I'm in I'm in all right. Uh, and then number one, I don't see how it can't be the year of Marvel. Um, you finally all the buildup that we've had to the Infinity War. Yep. Um, it's we had all the buildup to Avengers and all those movies building up, but with Infinity War, we've literally been hearing about Thanos for like eight movies now yeah 
Um, Since the first Avengers. And we're finally getting to see like Guardians meet, you know, all the others. Everyone. Everyone's tied Spider-Man. together. And I don't know how the heck that's going to work in a movie. Um but I'm excited to see it. It's going to be so. massive. It's going to be absolutely massive. That's my number one. Infinity War, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, that trilogy is going to be... I mean, it's not a trilogy, but those three movies are going to be amazing. Listen, there are a ton of franchise movies coming out. Jurassic World 2 is coming out. Pacific Rim's coming out. Solo. Incredibles 2. I'm excited for all of those. But I want to highlight some unique, more unique ones. And I'll, I'll stick to five, even though I just rattled off a ton here. Um, Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg adapting one of my favorite books in recent memory. I'm super pumped for it. I hope it's great. Like, I'm going to love it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it um, regardless. I'm so excited for Ready Player One. Uh, I am also excited for Ocean's 8 as well. But uh, I also have Sicario 2 on here. Soldado. Uh, Taylor, Taylor, Sheridan. Sh- Taylor Sheridan's back, baby. He wrote this. Different director, though. It's not It's not Denis, um, but it looks just as good. Um, I love the fact that we're getting a Shane Black, the Predator movie. <laughs> the cast is amazing. I'm all in on that. I love that we're getting J- Jason Statham versus a giant prehistoric oh, yeah. shark. I read those Meg books by Steve Alton when I was a kid. I'm super interested to see what they do with it. Um, yeah. The Happy Time Murders, which is the the Jim Henson company basically pulling a Roger Rabbit and doing a, a murder mystery noir film where they're, they're uh, investigating murders from people who used to be on a show called Happy Time, like Slumbers or something like that. Melissa McCarthy's in it. I can't even. I'm super fascinated as to what that's going to yeah. be. Um, and then my last two, these are like 1A, one, 1B, one one but First Man, which is the Neil Armstrong bio <laughs> biography starring Ryan Gosling, directed by Damien Chazelle, the guy who did La La Land, the guy who did Whiplash. He's almost one of those guys who I'll see anything that he does. I don't know if it's going to be a musical. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it will be. But Frank, fly my, me to the moon. Oh, God, it's so on the nose. Um, my probably most anticipated movie is Creed 2. I am so – Creed is one of my – Creed was so good it made it into my top ten all time. And that's not easy to do, David. I loved Creed difficult. hard. And I, I hope that I'm not disappointed by Creed 2, but you're bringing back Drago. You're probably going to bring in Drago's son. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen, David. But it's going to be amazing. I just want to pause and say, you guys all need to realize the significance of this. This is his number one most anticipated in a year when there's Marvel movies coming out. Yep. There's Jurassic World coming out. Yep. And there's a Steven Spielberg movie about a book that and a Star he already Wars enjoys. Movie. And a Star Wars movie. And two The Rock movies, one in which he fights giant animals, the other in which he fights a skyscraper. So this is significant, okay? This is very significant. Creed 2. I am hyped like mad for it. I can't I can't tell you how excited I am. Do you feel like we're going to get a really good Sylvester Stallone performance, or do you think he's going to be like, I got screwed? Well, he's not directing it. 
So possibly. Uh, he did get screwed, though, man. He got so he screwed. Did. As good as Mark Rylance is in Bridge of Spies, Stallone got so screwed. Um, anyways, 2018 is going to be great. I'm pumped for it. David's pumped for it. Thank you so much for listening to our 2017 United States of Film recap. As always, do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe. Rate us wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And don't forget, don't forget to visit PopcornDietPodcast.com to read all of our reviews and get all of our recent episodes as well as our older ones. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. Have a wonderful 2018, and we're going to see you next time with another great movie on a popcorn diet. Adios.